Holy Spirit. Somebody say, help me. Let's jump to the word. Acts 19, 1 through 6. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions into until he reached, somebody say, Ephesus. Come on, talk to me. I know you're, 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 you're drunk in the spirit, but let's be a good class. Somebody say, Ephesus. Ephesus. On the coast where he found several believers, did you, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. When we look at the uh, King James Version, we see Paul coming to Ephesus, and he sees a group of believers, and they have just been baptized by John the Baptist. Now, this is important because John the Baptist was the one that baptized Jesus. And because John baptized Jesus, people thought that John was powerful. People thought that John was just as equal as Jesus because he baptized him. But what the word explains to us is that even though you can be, uh, uh, even though you can be involved with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't actually mean that you're a good person. So Paul asks the folks, he says, okay, so you were baptized. But then he asks them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit, though, when you got baptized? So you can be baptized by water. You can be baptized in milk if you want to. It doesn't matter what the liquid is. But the question is, when you went down into the liquid, was it the liquid that touched you or was there something else that touched you? They say no. They actually, we haven't even what? Heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Listen to this question. Then what baptism did you experience? And they replied, the baptism of John. Here's a shameless plug for July 31st. Big baptism is happening. And up until now, I know it's, it's not a big number to some people, but we have seven individuals that will be getting baptized on the 31st. I don't know about you, but one is better than none. And somebody said amen. If you're looking to be baptized, we need you to tap in because that day I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to do a continuation of what's happening now. And for those of you seven that logged in, we say good morning to you. And if you're online, regardless of where you are, we're excited for what's going to happen. But before you get baptized, we got to talk about why it's important. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning that this would be Jesus. As soon as they heard this, what happened? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, now, this is the part that I want us to tap into just for a second. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in, somebody say, other tongues, and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all. The problem with how we talk about spiritual gifts in church is that we only talk about the two that were demonstrated in Acts. But there are nine. And speaking in tongues is not evidence that you have the Holy Spirit. So what you just experienced and saw is not the evidence that somebody has the Holy Spirit. Can I prove it to you? Have you ever met somebody that could speak in tongues but was mean? You ever met somebody that was anointed and rude? You ever met somebody that was Holy Ghost filled, powerful on the stage, then you meet them in the hallway, you want to get a picture with them, and they do everything but curse you out, but they're anointed. So you can speak in tongues, prophesy, you, you, can, be, you, 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 can, you can be prophetic, you can see things in the future, you can do the, thus says the Lord, but it doesn't mean that you actually know the Holy Spirit. Because there's a difference between the Holy Spirit's gifts and his fruit. 
That's why today I'd like to talk to you on a subject called show me the fruit. Your life isn't built by your ability to, that's scary to most people anyway that don't know it. God would prefer that you're kind. And I'm going to teach it to you this morning. If if you're ready for the word, clap once. So there are four different types of gifts. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this tonight because this is the things that you need to know. By the way, HSU is what we're calling it, Holy Spirit University. See, that was catchy, right? That's that's, that's really nice. We need you to meet us here tonight, 6 o'clock. We're going to dive deeper into the word, and then we're just going to usher in the presence of God just like we did earlier. But there are four different, somebody hold up four fingers. There's four different types of gifts. In Romans 12, 6 through 8, we see the motivational gifts. This is like prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. How many of you guys know that person that is able to give people a million second chances? Oh, y'all don't, wow, y'all just know evil people in your life. That's terrible. Maybe I'm the only one. One of my biggest issues is I can give a second chance over and over again. That's my gift, but it's not Vanessa's. So the areas where I have grace, like, they didn't know better. They didn't do it. And she'll say, Joshua, this is the 17th time that it's happened. Like, I think that we should move on. But what we have to understand is that you aren't gifted. The Spirit is. Let me, let me jump to the word. Holy Spirit, help me out, please. Let's go to Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Somebody read it with me. Beware of false pro- Wait a minute. So you mean that there are prophets that actually know what they're talking about. And there are people that are prophetic that are actually not good for you to listen to? So you mean to tell me that all McDonald's franchises... They might serve the same burger, but you can get food poisoning at one and have a different service at the other. Somebody say, beware. Beware of false prophets who come what? Disguised as harmless sheep, but what? Are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, not their ministry. You can tell by their fruit, not what they can, you know, give you. You could tell by Joshua's fruit, not by my ability to teach. How does Joshua act when you catch him off guard? That's his true fruit. Okay, all right. Because this is polished. What you see on stage, there's a certain way I have to act in order for you guys to, like, receive me, right? Like, I can't just walk up here with no clothes on. That would be indecent, right? But this is the thing. When I catch you in the moments where you feel frustrated, when you feel tired, which version of you do I get? The one that I get when you are justified in cursing me out but decide to be kind, that's the fruit that you have the spirit. Let me get back to it. Maybe I'll get it in a second. Maybe y'all too drunk in the moment. You can identify them by their what? Fruit. That is by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from, or thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. Write this down. Please underline it. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so can you identify people by their actions. I want you to write this down. Your gift isn't evidence. Your fruit is. The goal of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that it ultimately changes you. The problem is, is that we have turned speaking in tongues into saying that I have the Holy Spirit. Girl, did you feel him today? And we're like, the Spirit was there, and really he wasn't. 
We've just become so good at pretending to know if he's in the room or not. Girl, did you feel him? He was there. But if you're able to discern, you'll realize that you can go from speaking in tongues at the 10 o'clock service to cursing your waitress out at Red Lobster because they didn't give you enough fries on your platter. Can we be, can we be real and, and, talk, and talk for real? So the Holy Spirit's supposed to change you from the inside out. But now we've been using the gifts of the Spirit as a circus act. I'm prophetic. I am prophetess. Prophetess Joshua. No, my name is Joshua. I have the gift of pastoring that came from the Holy Spirit. I am not a pastor. I have the gift of pastoring that came from the Holy Spirit. But if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, you'll never give him credit for the things that you can do. There is nothing that you are doing right now, even breathing, that is not being helped by the Holy Spirit. Every thought you have, every time you move, every time you think you have a good idea, every single time that you think anything that's awesome and great that pushes you towards purpose, guess what? It didn't come from you. But the problem is, is that once we introduce you to the Holy Spirit, it's your job to acknowledge him every time you do something. I shouldn't have to remind you that it was the Holy Spirit that keeps your family together. It shouldn't have to take, lift up your hands and give God glory and praise. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, he did save me from such and such. No, no, no. You should be constantly reminded. The Holy Spirit is the only gift giver that every time he's in your space, he should remind you of the gift that he gave you. You know how you hate that with people? I can't stand that. When somebody gave us a cutting set for our house and they come to the house and remind us of the cutting set that you gave us. Yes, we get it. Thank you so much. I almost want to sell it so that you don't see it and remind me of it. But the Holy Spirit has a really weird way of reminding you, hey, remember that strategic idea that you had that you put on that PowerPoint that you shared and you got the promotion? Don't forget who gave you that idea. Oh, Joshua, you think that you're that attractive, that Vanessa's attracted to you? Oh, you, you really think your skin is that chocolatey that she looked at you out of all the other men in the world, the men that are smarter than you? The men that are more prepared for her. You don't, like there's no perfect person, but Joshua, I bet you there are better men for her than you. So you really think that I made, that, 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 you, had, that you had everything to do with, with you marrying her. And the Holy Spirit will remind you that you have nothing without me. Name one thing you have without me. Real quick, I want somebody to stand up on your feet and tell me one thing that you have that's great in your life that the Holy Spirit did not give you. Makes you second guess. We get lost when we try to use the Spirit to try to change others before he changes us. The Holy Spirit is most essential piece of your spiritual maturity and growth. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 9. So if your gift is not evidence and fruit is evidence, somebody say, what is the fruit? 1 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11. Paul says, the, the same Spirit that gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives another person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Really quick, before I move on, I apologize to any of you that were told that you didn't know the Holy Spirit because you didn't get the evidence of speaking in tongues. Well, baby, you can't speak in tongues, therefore you don't know the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I go to different countries where I don't speak the language, but I can still communicate. So speaking the language of heaven is necessary and you need it. But if you don't know how to at this moment, it doesn't mean that God's going to throw you away. That is undoctrinal, that is religious, and that is not the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. 
Verse 11 is where I like to jump in, though. It says, it is the one and only spirit who what? Distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Please write this point down. You aren't gifted. The spirit is. You don't own the gifts. The Holy Spirit is gifted. He's the one that gives gifts. Since you know him, you get access to the gifts that he has. After today, you will be wrong if you say, I am a prophet. You are given the gift of prophecy because of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I really want to make this elementary. This probably won't be one of those sermons where people run around the building and like, ooh, that was good. Because this is the stuff that they should have taught you when you first met Christ. This is, this is the, I'm putting on my teacher this morning. I'm like, I, I probably, you probably want me to, ah, that's not going to happen today. The Holy Spirit wants you to realize that your gift of being able to discern, if it ends up with you losing friends, it's not the Holy Spirit. If your gift of discerning means that you no longer talk to family members that you used to before, the Holy Spirit helps you discern to change you to go get them. The Holy Spirit doesn't tell you to change somebody else for their betterment. The Holy Spirit changes Joshua so that he can be better in his surroundings. So if you ever hear somebody say, well, the Holy Spirit told me that they were a bad person. Yes, that's true. But I promise you the first thing that he said is he asked you, why did you friend them? Immature Christianity is wanting to blame every single person for the stuff that we're walking through. But I don't know about any of you guys in the room. I'll just vote for myself in confidence. But there's some stuff that Joshua is dealing with right now because of the fact that he thought that he knew better than the Holy Spirit. And now the person that I thought I was better than, I have to ask for help from. I feel like I'm stuck here. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I feel like I'm working really hard right now. You do not have a conscience. You, you, you do not have a part of your brain that gives you good ideas. Your voice, God's voice, and the enemy's voice all sound the same. You just got to learn how to differentiate between the three of them. That's why we have confusion. That's why people are visited by demons. That's why people have all of these different spirits that are in their head, and we can't discern, was that God? Was that me or that, was that the devil? Your point is to figure out how to tune into the right frequency. Somebody say frequency. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The introduction of spiritual gifts has produced more pride in the church than freedom. Because we think that we own it. How can I break this down? Many of you in this church think that this church is mine. You, you, you can think that because of what you see, it looks how Joshua wants it to look. The worship sounds how Joshua wants it to look. The children's ministry looks how Joshua wants it to look. But let me pop your bubble. This is not my church and it never will be. I have access to the church because I'm submitted to the person that actually is the leader of the church. Is this making any sense to anybody in the room? Your kids think they have an iPad. When you go to grab the iPad that you slaved over at wherever you work to pay for said iPad, when you open up the settings, it doesn't say baby girl's iPad. When you look at that iPad, you see the receipt, the time you put in, and how much you had to pay to get that iPad. 
But because your babies have relationship with you, they get the benefits of the iPad without having to pay the price. The minute that they claim that the iPad is theirs, what happens? You can pay the bill then. Now your child has to make a decision. Am I going to get a job at four years old and have to pay for Coco Melon? Or am I going to have to realize that I can use this iPad as much as I want. It'll always be charged. I get all the apps that I want. I don't have to pay any money. But I have to remember it's not mine. When you worship Christ, you're reminding God that you never forgot. I, I'm, I, listen, you have, you have the gifts. You just gave me access. Thank you for access. If we can learn how to become better stewards of things, we'll stop worrying about bills. When you take responsibility for something that God never wanted you to take responsibility for, now we have people that are trying to conjure up a prophetic gift in the moment without the Holy Spirit, and now you become a liar. You cannot do the things of the Spirit, somebody say, without the Spirit. Benefits, this is what a benefit is. A benefit is a service or a right that is lended to a user because of their relationship. So if you want to use your spiritual gift in the right way, somebody say you have to develop relationship. Why don't you write this down? God prefers, prefers the practical over the prophetic. God would rather that when I'm up here teaching, when you're talking to your friend that doesn't know him, he would much rather them understand what you're saying than for you to creep them out. Everything that you saw that happened in this room, my unbelieving friends, guess what? I'm not doing that in front of them. Joshua, are you ashamed? No, I'm smart. And we have turned people away from the church because we wanted them to accept on day one what took us 10 years to develop. I'm going to set somebody free regardless if you're talking good to me or not. This is what the word is going to be. This is what it is. We have turned people away from serving in the church, leading in the church, using their spiritual gifts in the church because of the fact that we were looking for them on day one to act civilized. All right, come on now. But we walked into this thing toe up. Any person in the room walking to the first church that they went to perfect, raise your hand. You were perfect. You knew everything about the word. You knew how to, what was decent and in order. So this is it. God would prefer that before you speak in tongues and put your hands on somebody and terrify them, that you practically share with them about who he is first. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians 14, 22 through 25. Is this good this morning? So where does it get you? All this speaking in tongues and no one understands. Well, Pastor Joshua, you said that speaking in tongues is important. Yes, it is. But speaking in tongues was given as a gift for us to communicate. That's the reason why I can say something in the, in the spirit and Rebecca can feel it and interpret it. And then somebody over here can interpret it. Why? Because we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the same spirit. But I can't expect my friends who just got done getting drunk last night to be able to understand when I'm speaking in tongues. They'll probably think that I was drinking with them. Joshua, I didn't think you drank. I didn't, but I'm drunk in the spirit. Think about how ridiculous that is. The spirit came into me. What? Huh? You, so you mean you're possessed? No, 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 no. Like I was washed in his blood. Hold up, dog. You are washed in his blood. I'm saved, sanctified. I used to be, and I'm not no more. But wait, hold, wait, time out. Hold on. So, 
So if it's confusing to that person, how many things do you hear from here that you're like, you know what, I got to go and read my Bible about that one. So if you and all of your knowledge of who God is and your five years of being in Christ, your 15, 20 years of being in Christ, if you still have to go home and crack open your Bible and do supplication and still figure things out, how much more difficult is it for a person that doesn't have your resources? So the church has become scary to people that it's actually supposed to reach. And Hollywood only knows how to depict the charismatic parts of the church. Speaking in tongues, foaming at the mouth. Black churches are just loud churches where people run around and they're screaming and the pastor's pimping out everybody, trying to take all their money. And they're not wrong because that's all they see. If we want to reach the lost AWC, we have to explain to them before they receive. Because we're holding them to an expectation that not even we can live up to. How many of you in the room, don't raise your hand, but you're getting a second lease on your relationship with Christ. Because you weren't in church at one point in time because of a person said something to you, looked at you a certain way, said that you were dressed the wrong way, said that you had tattoos, you came in with your boyfriend or girlfriend of the same sex, and they said that they didn't want you. And now you can question, does God really mean everything that he says in the Bible? He says that he's love. You claim to have the spirit, but you don't love me. You said that he is love, and if he's in you, then if you don't love me, that means that God doesn't love me, so why would I go to church? And the place where people are supposed to be healed from their sickness, now they avoid. The proof that the spirit is living is in how you treat people that we think don't deserve him. The homeless person, how you think about that person as you're driving by. Their spirit feels that. How many of you have ever heard people talking about you, but you didn't hear any words? You heard it through their eyes. They said something. Like, your eyes, the way that you gave me space, it said something. One day I was walking in the grocery store, and I ain't going to mess with you. I, I, was, I was looking like a bum. When I was walking out. I went to my car. There was a lady that was in front of me, a lighter complexion. It's got to be honest. And at some point in time, like, the triggers in my brain were like, Joshua, you probably need to slow up. Not because I'm a threat. But because she doesn't know who you are. So she gets into her car. Her car is extremely rusted out. There's grace for that. I had a rust bucket too. But right next to her 1970 whatever is a 2021 something that's mine. And she locked the door. So I'm walking past her. She clutches her purse, locks the door. And in my head, I'm like, if I wanted to rob someone, Like, you think I robbed someone that had something I could benefit from. Like, if, if I was going to strong arm someone, you'd think that I would take something that's an upgrade from what you have. And that's how we look, asking people to provide spiritual things that they don't have. Your friend group cannot get you saved. Your coffee group of single women, and you're the only one that's married, they can't help you. Guess what? Why? Because they're not married. What the Holy Spirit does in you is that once he's on the inside of you, your energy changes when you walk in the room. 
So in some cases where people should probably be afraid of me, in some rooms where I walk in and there are things that I don't know, all I do is I ask the Holy Spirit. I go into the meeting, Miss Nikki, walk out of the meeting and forget what I said because I don't know what I said because I didn't say anything. I'm being used by the Spirit. How many things in your life, if you allowed the Holy Spirit to puppeteer your mouth, would actually end up better than they did when you said something? How many situations have you walked through personally as a person where you tried to do it in your own strength and it blew up in your face? The Word of God says it doesn't help believers and it only gives unbelievers something to gawk at. What does that mean? That means that the world is laughing at the church for good reason because they don't understand. Plain truth speaking, on the other hand, goes straight to the heart of the believers. And guess what? It doesn't get in the way of unbelievers. If you come together as a congregation and some unbelieving outsiders walk in on you as you're all speaking in tongues, unintelligible to each other and to them, won't they assume you've taken leave of your senses? For those of you that are in the room that come from a persuasion as mine, aren't they going to walk in and be like, these folks done lost their mind? Who was that running? Why is he crying? Why did he put his hand on her face? There are people in the room that don't know what just happened in the room. Everybody in the room wasn't feeling what you felt because they weren't explained to you. I'm trying to explain it to you. If you come together as a congregation, oh, I'm sorry, won't they, won't they assume you've taken leave of your senses and get out of there as how fast? As fast as they can. But if some unbelieving outsiders walk in on a service where people are speaking out of God's truth, the plain words will bring them up against the truth and probe whose hearts? Their hearts. Before you know it, they're going to be in, on their faces before God, recognizing that God is among us. God would rather the unbeliever understand than us feel good about our own spiritual gift. Your gift is so discerning. Um, I'm sorry. Your gift is to discern the things of the spirit amongst others who understand. So that's why whenever you have a conversation with someone that doesn't know God and your response to them when they say, how are you doing? Praise the Lord. It's weird. How are you doing? I'm, I'm saved and sanctified. They don't know what that means. doesn't matter how saved you are. doesn't matter how long you've come up with Jesus. If the hope is to reach the non-believer, we have to learn as Christians how to speak their language. This is so practical this morning that I'm, 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 just, I'm really just trying to get this to you. I understand what you were, what, what you were talking about last week, Pastor Martin. You talking to people and them realizing what you're saying is more important than you trying to get them to fall out. How many services have you been to where somebody was praying for you and they just started calling stuff out that wasn't even happening? I see a relationship. I'm actually single. You need to come out of that addiction. I'm not addicted to anything except for Fortnite, but I have a four-year-old and I play with him. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. So then people start guessing. Pastor Martin calls it profilying. They'll start saying stuff like this. Hey, hey I, I see a house. I, I live in a house. Oh, see, I knew it. And in that house, I see a room that has porcelain in it. Hey, there's, there's water that comes from, from, you have a shower in your house. I do. Hey, I told you. And in that shower, I see, I see this, this white foamy stuff. Hey, she, the glory is coming. I, th- I see steam. Yeah, because the water's hot. But I see... I see, you have soap and a to- you have a bathroom in your house. Everybody stand up and give God praise. And now people are praising what they think is a gift, but it's actually manipulation. 
The reason why this sermon isn't hitting like every other sermon is because I'm really trying not to manipulate you by saying things that make you stand up and laugh. I'm really hoping that what I say today seeps into your soul, that you realize that we're trying to get something to you without manipulation. It shouldn't take chords and strings and music and fog and lights for you to realize that the same gift that you might think is bigger up here is the same gift that's inside of you. But you've never activated it before. You know what dormant is? Everything that's inside of you right now that you need is actually asleep. And it's awakened once you let in, somebody say, the Holy Spirit. You are discerned by non-believers by how you love them. Galatians 5.19 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. And I know that some, some, somebody's uh, pants just got real tight. You just clenched up. I, we're talking about it. We're talking about it for real. Somebody say, sin is a real thing. If you are, un, 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 if you are an unholy, that H-E double hockey sticks place, hell, if we talk about how beautiful heaven is, hell is a real place too. And there are a lot of pastors that are afraid to talk about it because they're looking to be seeker friendly and grow the church to the point where a whole bunch of people in the church without telling them that if you do not change your life, there is a real place where torment will happen in your life forever and God doesn't want to send you there, but he will allow you to go there based off of the decisions that you make. And if we don't teach that, we'll have people that are slappy, happy, talking about the Holy Spirit, excited about what God has done. They're going to get baptized, but they will not know that until you profess his name and call him Lord, you just got soaked on that day. You have the inconvenience of having to bring a towel, but you haven't been changed. Somebody say from the inside out. Jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, uh, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Read this with me out loud. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. How often have you heard someone using their gift of discernment and they use their gift of discernment to be petty? How often have you heard somebody use their gift of discernment and they use it to be nosy? How often have you heard somebody say, ooh, I feel the Holy Spirit saying something. And they're really trying to manipulate you to tell them the deepest, darker part of their, their, your life so that they feel better about theirs. People can try and manipulate the gifts of the Spirit to actually use them for evil. How many of you have ever heard of somebody that uses their, their spiritual gift just to be annoying? So what are the fruits of the Spirit? But the Holy Spirit produces, somebody say, this kind of fruit. In our lives, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what else? Self-control. There is no law against these things. But if we go back to Romans, we'll think that the fruit of the Spirit is being able to prophesy. The fruit of the Spirit is being able to teach. The fruit of the Spirit is being able uh, to heal people and lay hands on them. But actually, the Holy Spirit would much rather that you be kind. Being kind is more impressive than speaking in tongues. Being a nice person is more impressive than being able to lay hands on somebody and then froth at the mouth. Being able to hold your tongue in situations where you're justified in saying what you want it's more evidence of you having the Holy Spirit than speaking in tongues. You want to know why? Because every time that Joshua wants to say bad things about somebody in their face, I actually want to. 
This is going to help you free if you understand what I'm saying. Anytime that Joshua holds his tongue, it's not that he wants to. He's submitted to a spirit on the inside of him that's telling him to shut up. There are moments in Joshua's life where I'm not happy. There are seasons in my life where you look at me and be like, man, he's just so happy. And Joshua's very sad. But the spirit on the inside of me says, have joy. There are points in my life when I'm walking past a computer, when I'm walking past a laptop, when I'm walking past food, because you know that gluttony is also a sin if you overeat. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, people are like, you get upset with the person that drinks, but you're going to go get six Happy Meals. Like, that's, like, God doesn't weigh them, Jack Daniels versus a Happy Meal. Calories are calories, and they're empty, but I digress. When I have self-control, when you have self-control, the Holy Spirit brings self-control into situations where you don't want to have it. So that's why you can have joy in the middle of something that's not joyous. Not because you're happy, but because the Holy Spirit has commanded your spirit to be happy. There's stuff that you're walking through right now that if you allowed the Holy Spirit to tell your spirit what to do, it would be kind of weird, but your spirit would go into overdrive and your body would go into autopilot. The point of having the Holy Spirit in your life is to literally give him the wheel and get in the back seat. But Joshua misses the mark often. And in my life, there are moments where I know that the Holy Spirit is a better driver than I've ever been because I can look back at situations where he's led me out. How many of you guys have that testimony? Like, it was the Holy Spirit that helped me out. But it seems like my human brain, my progressing brain, can forget about what God just brought me out of the minute we're out of it. And then this cycle starts all over. God, I don't know how to trust you. And we're driving away from a car crash that should have been us. Don't smell like smoke in the smoke, in in the fire. And now I'm like, God, are you ever going to get me out of this? And God's like, this isn't the first furnace you've been in. Like if you turn around, you see all those furnaces behind you, bro? Like I keep proving myself. Like what is it about your brain, Josh, that you keep forgetting that everything that you walk into, you're not walking into it. I'm leading you through it. Like where... At what point in time did you forget that I'm the spirit that knows all truth? At what time did you forget that I made your mouth that speaks the words of sickness that you say? Like every word that you say out of your mouth, I gave it to you. So how could you use those words I gave you to curse me? Do you know who I am? Do you know I whispered your name into your mother's womb before she even met Martin? Do you know that before your parents were even born, me, God, and Jesus were literally looking at your family tree and the thousands of people, and we saw you. And we said, you know what? He needs to be born right here, February 7th at 1993. His his mother doesn't need to have him naturally. There needs to be a C-section. Like, this needs to happen. Then this needs to happen. Then then, Oh, he also needs to have a sister named Callie. Then he needs to meet Vanessa. And we made all those plans before the earth was even made. Like, so you really think that you can give me advice on how to run your life? Cool. You can drive. And the Holy Spirit doesn't get to the passenger seat or the back seat. He gets out of the car. The worst place that you can be in your life is spiritually deaf. When you can't discern where God is, you will marry the wrong person. You will have a bad business partner. You will get the wrong degree. You will make the wrong decisions. Why? Because there's no good decision that doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. God would prefer that you love people good 
than be able to put oil on your hands and pray for people. Because you can't pray for people unless you love them. But the Holy Spirit produces what? Kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. Listen to this. This is the actual proof that the Spirit controls who you are. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have done what? Nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Newsflash. When you met God, I don't know about you, but my passions and desires to do things that were worldly didn't go away. I had to make a decision to nail them to the cross. And I didn't just do it one time. I have to nail my earthly lust. I have to nail my conviction. I have to nail my sin to the cross, not just on Sunday, not just on Saturday, but so I say every day. You have to make sure that every single day, that every part of you that is not perfect, that you nail it to the cross. Why? Because there is no person on earth that could die on a cross and you nail your sins to it and be free from it. Jesus died so that everything that you've ever walked through, some might say nail it to the cross. I even believe in this moment, as some of you might be sitting here wondering, like, man, somebody's going to figure out this. Somebody's going to figure out that. Whatever it is, if you nail it to the cross, I promise you it's already been taken care of. When Jesus said, it is finished, that thing that you're thinking about right now, like, no, nah, Pastor Joshua, not this thing. That thing he died for. The thing that you're thinking about, the sneaky link after church that you're like, hey, man, wrap this up. I got something I'm trying to do. You feel me? Like, that thing, you can repent of it right now, ghost that person, and yeah, they're going to feel some type of way, but your soul will be free. I could speak all the tongues of earth and of angels, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. But if I didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I want you to write this point down. Your gift without love is noise. Let me show you two. Can you find me that? Never mind, I got it. This is what we look like in the church. You know what these are? What is this? symbols. Okay. Let's read it again. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and the angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a changing symbol. How many of you guys heard what I said? Did you hear what I said? What did you hear? You heard this. How many people actually see God when you speak? Or do they hear you? Every time that I'm around my groups of friends, am I sharing with them what God did in my life so I can brag about how cool I think I am? Or does it actually reveal the goodness of God? When I invite people over to my house, am I showing them how God blessed me because the house is big? And I know it's a thousand square feet larger than theirs. And I have an extra car garage. And I actually have like more bedrooms. Am I using what God has done for me to push them towards the cross? Or to talk about how shiny my symbols are? This is not fruit. But this is how the church sounds. We're loud. We're annoying. What we do in church makes sense in here, but it makes no sense. If I brought these to a symphony, they would kick 
if I walked in the doors, they'd probably be like, yeah, bro, we got a bogey 1019. Like, they're going to come and get me. Why? Because this piece doesn't help interpret the composer's voice. Your job as a person isn't to be annoying. In some areas of your life, we need to shut our mouth and allow the Holy Spirit to do all of the talking. Let me finish the scripture. I would only be somebody say a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You loving others is more important than your spiritual gift. We're going to talk about the spiritual gifts tonight. You're going to be taught on them about you're an apostle and how, how you can use your, your spiritual gift to, to discern certain things and to teach and to clarify things. But you guess, guess, guess what? The first fruit of all of the spiritual gifts is love. In AWC, I'd rather love people that don't look like they should be in here than do this at them. That's annoying, isn't it? Y'all want me to stop? Somebody yell stop. Somebody yell stop. Go for it. And that's how the world sounds. Just give me Jesus. I don't want your yuckiness. Just give me Jesus, not your denomination. Like, just give me Jesus and not your weirdness. Like, you mean I can't meet God with shorts on? You, so you're telling me since I don't have shorts on, I can't walk into the building? So God is, so now you've made a religion out of the length of hymns now? But what if I don't have church clothes? What if this is all I got? Well, you got to go to another church. And then we ask, why aren't people coming to our organization? Why aren't people coming to your business? Because you don't actually take care of your customers. Why don't people want to be friends with you? Because you're loud. They hear you before you come. And what I am hoping is that for many of us here in the room would realize that if it's tight, it's right. There are some shoes that fit you shouldn't kick off. Some of them you should strap tight and hold them on. But the spirit of love is most important. Really quick, I want you to think about something. Did you ever have somebody in your life who was justified to throw you away, but they loved you anyway? Think about them. Think about them. Like, that person, they caught you doing something you weren't supposed to do in a moment where they were justified in tearing your life out the frame. Instead of doing what you thought they were going to do, they loved you. They, they, they covered you in moments where they could have exposed you. You messed up multiple times and they wanted to be there. I want to make sure that you know this morning that there's a friend that's even better than the person that gave you mercy and grace. There's a person that if you trade in what's loud and annoying to people, <laughs> if you trade it into him, he'll allow you to actually make something that's beautiful out of this. Yes, you're gifted. Yes, you're talented. Yes, the Holy Spirit wants to use you to affect different types of people. 
but he can't affect the world through you if he can't affect you. 